Well, Tuesday, Ryan Hart. I am very excited that we are having Arowana come onto the podcast. I, I've got some incredible memories of Arowana from mm. the uh, Alia Institute back in the days that used to happen in Halifax, which in many ways was a real kind of gathering of some of the leading thinkers and practitioners and systems change. But I have, I just have memories of Arowana doing these art pieces in front of an audience of 350 mm. people, like wrapped in paper and doing these incredible ah. physical movements and, uh, and, and then her being one of the people that really encouraged me to step into my artistry as a poet, you know, someone who was just like, mm. Hey, do it. You know, don't, don't be afraid. Like, don't just write these poems for yourself, share them with others. And uh, so I'm really excited to have her come on the pod and spend some time with us. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, Tim. And it's funny because I hadn't, I think I saw her at Alia too, for sure, but I hadn't even remembered her kind of like, you know, like dancing around in paper. And so you just kind of brought a really, you know, a really nice memory back up and and just lovely to hear that, um, that she encouraged you. In, in her way, you know, I just love her way, which is very practical, right? It's very kind of a little bit no nonsense. Like, yes, do this thing, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that's just who she is. And I really, really appreciate that. I met Arwana at a Presencing Institute. And I, I think I, we talk about that on the podcast um, when the Presencing Institute was very small. I think we had less than 25 people. And uh, so I was with her for five days. Um, and so wow. I was with her there and... Um, Two things uh, occurred to me. One is that the beauty with which she inhabits her space. Right. She is like compelling to watch, right? Just the way she moves her body. She like, I I think, you know, it's graceful. I think that that's true without a doubt. But I think it's just that she is fully present in her body. And it's such a rare and compelling thing, which is like, that's kind of the first thing I always think about Arawana, like, wow, this is like a person who is beautiful as she moves forward, even if she's just talking about, I don't know, spaghetti or what she had for dinner last night, right? Like there's something about her, her movement when she does it. It's so nice. It's like, oh, yeah. oh. And then the other thing um, is she's, you know, the practicality of the no nonsense thing. Like the one of the things I, I went to later, I went to one of her social presencing theater, like intensives, which was just mm. at, at someone's home in upstate New York. And it was a small group of like seven of us. And, mm. uh, and you know, we were doing these moves, right? So the authentic, your true move. And if people would get too flowy, like kind of like move from move to move, she was like, no, no. Like, it's like the space between the moves. And, and she said, she actually said, you guys are so into flow. Like, I don't even understand that. Like where the interesting thing is, is in the break in the like in the pause and it was so like it's just really stuck with me um Mm. as a as a lesson for facilitation for my life i mean i think we so romanticize flow and just to have this completely opposite perspective of that's it's not necessarily where it's at right it's in the break in the stop in the like you know, and I just, I just, I just kind of love this kind of like, she kind of disrupts your thinking without any arrogance or hubris or ego. She's just like, no, that's not how I think it is, or this is not my experience. And I just love that about her. There's one of those poems that years ago in the art of hosting community, they used to go around, but it was like, it's like the space between the logs poem, you know, like that's how the, mm. you know, like when you build a fire, it's the space between the logs that actually allows the air to get in mm-hmm. and give real 
kind of like gusto to the fire itself. And, and it reminds me of that, you know, and I just think of even of teaching my son, Ollie, to light the fire at home, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. he'll just like pack it, you know? <laughs> right. More is better. Yeah. 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 I want to see this thing light up, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, oh, Ollie, you know, we gotta, we gotta pull some of that stuff out there, bud, or this thing went like, and so I think there is something of that in it. Like, you know, we, even as you know, designers and people who are facilitating these mm-hmm. highly complex processes, I think often we have to remind ourselves that, that that it is important for the process to be simple because the content is so complex, right. right? And you actually don't need a highly complex design. You don't need a highly complex approach, right, to contain and work with complexity. You actually need something quite simple. You need a basic order in place, Right. right. That can create the conditions for people to step in and begin to own their own content and to move between taking direction and taking space to listen, you know, and stepping up to lead versus stepping back to understand. And, and I feel that's a lot of what Arowana demonstrates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about how she inhabits her body, it's almost like. She, she demonstrates that in how she turns up, even when she's talking about spaghetti. Yeah. You know? And so, um, and so I just, I, I love that. And, and, and I want to say that that is something she has done kind of in relationship to us and in relationship to events we've been mm-hmm. part of. But I also feel with the presencing theater and the social presencing theater, that is something she has brought to the field Yes. Of systems change. Yes. To yes. the field of attempting these large systemic practices is this hey, we, you know, we, this isn't just about cracking theories. This isn't just about good facilitation. We need to be learning from our bodies in this. There's an enormous wisdom in, in, uh, just inherent in our physical nature, right? Yeah, that can right. be guiding the work we do. And, I, and so I think she's been a real pioneer, if that's the right word, or trailblazer is probably a better word, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the field of systems change in terms of grounding this in the bodies we inhabit and in the knowledge that our bodies have, you know? I think that's right. Yeah, so here's, here's our interview with Arowana. We hope you enjoy. We certainly did. I'd love to I'd love to ask you just to start because you are a dancer and the creator of Social Presencing Theater. And one of the things I've been saying to Tim lately is I feel like our own practice of systems change is missing a somatic component. I feel like we do great working with folks and getting their best thinking and their hearts involved and kind of inspiring and even spirit in some ways, if you want to use that word. But I feel like we kind of like leave the body up to everyone else, right? Uh, I feel certainly like that's important. And in fact, I've been doing my own somatic work. And sometimes I said, I've, I've said to him, I feel like a, I feel like a body looking out of eyes, but I don't, you know, I almost like bypassing the brain some days, but I don't actually know how to bring that to our clients and the people we work with. And so that feels like a gap for us. So I would love to hear um, from you around bringing the body in. And I, that feels so big, like such a big question because it's so much of what you do. But I just, maybe I'll just let you reflect on that to start. <laughs> Thank you um, so much for inviting me and just for the um, pleasure of being with the two of you again after such a long time. And Mm. it was a while ago when we did this in the early 2000s, right? 
And I remember you as like, kind of like, you know, real young people. This is so great. Look at these (laughs) young, young people, right? And, uh, you know, you didn't all have children. And it was like a whole wonderful generation, the two of you and so many, Mm. uh, Mariana and Adam, so many people. And then... Now it's all these years later, and I find out Tuesday's son is going to college, and um, I see Mariana, her hair is all gray, and uh, Tim, are you getting a little gray too? (laughs) My my wife just told me I need to start using Greasen formula. I don't even know what that is, but, you know, I think we, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, uh, it's so wonderful to think of you and the amazing work that you've been doing all these years and um, how much I appreciate the good fortune of having um, met you uh, at this kind of wonderful gathering of artists and change makers and thinkers. And uh, it was also where I met Otto Scharmer, who I've been working with ever since at the Presencing Institute, and who is a very much a co creator and co-collaborator in the making of social presencing theater. It's certainly not Mm. my work. It's uh, oftentimes he has an idea (laughs) and then I try to figure out how to make it. So Mm. (laughs) make people do it as it were. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) it's true that my, my, my background has always been in dance and theater and um, it was kind of a blessing to be able to try to bring this into um, systems change, awareness-based systems change work. And it's funny because it's a funny way of saying it. How do we bring the body into it? Because, of course, the body's there already. Mm. Um, There's uh, (laughs) everyone everyone who appears seems to be appearing in a body. (laughs) At least that we know about. Sure. (laughs) That's true. I'm sure there are others as well. But <laughs> the, the, um, let's say the ones that we um, uh, often get um, uh, uh, <laughs> get in the room, they're visible, right? They're, they're, mm. we, we see them mm. and we, we feel them. So I think part of the emphasis of embodied presence is um, is really those two capacities. One is to actually... Um, sense into one's own body and to, to recognize that one's that there's enormous knowing in a sense perception embodied kind of sense of something and that's a intelligence there's an intelligence in that there's intelligence in the way the body um, you know, closes down around things and opens up around things and feels jumpy around things and calm around things. That's a kind of intelligence that we all need when we work with groups. So the work, our work, um, and probably yours also, is to have a sense of um, encouraging groundedness in, in people so mm. that they feel connected to this good earth. And that they don't lose touch with what it feels like to sit and to stand and to walk on the earth 
where in fact our work is taking place. It's not in our head, right? It's on the earth. And so that sense of groundedness then seems to also be paired with um, this, what we're calling an awareness or a sensing of our social bodies. So when I talk about bodies and embodiment, I'm referring to the earth body, our body, which all, always has some spot on the planet right now, mm. and the social body. So the social body could be you know, our family, it could be the other people that are you know, on the, tr- on the bus with us, it could be other people, teams at work, it can be organizations, it can be communities, your f- food co-ops, and a sort of global social body. And a lot of our work individually is synchronizing the mind and the body, that they don't seem like two different people. The mm-hmm. thinking one is separated from the one that's actually, you know, cooking dinner and chopping carrots or, you know, taking mm. the garbage out. And, and the mind is thinking about something else all the time. And that split between the mind and the body, then it transfers to our work with groups where we we don't feel the bodiness of our group mm. and social bodiness, the weight of them, the sort of texture of our groups. And likewise, then it gets separated from what um, Otto often calls a social field, which is really like the social mind, the relationship, the invisible part of um, organizations and groups, the, this quality of the relationships that you can feel in the space, right? We feel them. Right. So it's, it's, I think it's not missing from so much and probably not missing from your work, but I guess our work tries to highlight that mm-hmm. a little more. It tries to draw attention to the incredible intelligence that's just within one's sense perceptions and one's sort of body knowing or gut feeling or, you know, that kind of uh, attending in that particular way. And also, because I think because our work has so much to do with this concept of the um, a learning from an emerging future, that it has to do with how well you can tune into this moment so that we, we are, and your work too, right? We are accessing a real creativity and innovation, um, which goodness knows we need, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe something like that is, um, we're roaming around in that topic of embodiment. <laughs> I love that. I I love what you I love what you just said and I think you're right. It's not it's not missing in our work, but we don't necessarily highlight it. And um I Tim it makes me wonder like what we could do. Right? We do we do movement, we do theater exercises. There are things we definitely do, but this idea of tuning into the body's intelligence as intentionally as you just said, you know, asking people to move from their body as well as um they're thinking or, or what's often what, you know, like what's in between people are in the center, but like actually bringing in very intentionally that body intelligence feels uh, much more accessible to me than how I've thought about, we need to bring in somatic work, Tim. That feels mm-hmm. like just the things you just said. I'm like, oh yeah, I can do like, yeah. not in the way that you do it, but I feel like we have some real skills and ability to do that. Oh, certainly you do. 
I find that we, because we'll use Augusto Boal because that was my training, right? It was Augusto mm-hmm. Boal's work. And and so we'll do Augusto Boal's work and, and, and we'll do, you know, get image, particularly we often work with image theater with groups as well as some kind of like moving exercise and spatial awareness stuff and things like that. And, um, but it's nearly always to inform an analysis that we're building either individually or collectively in our heads. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like we're using the, we're using our body work to mm-hmm. inform the analysis, the conceptual analysis or the strategic analysis that we're mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And what, what I find kind of delicious about what you're saying <laughs> is that you're actually letting the body lead as opposed yeah. to inform, you know, and yeah. that's really exciting. And so I can totally relate to that. I can relate to that in my like personal journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I can relate to that to like how I relate, how I find myself in the body or how I find my childhood in my body or my trauma in my body and then build relationships to those. Like I can often feel what's going on in parts of my body. Like the the therapist I work with is often like, where is that in your body? (laughs) You you know, and so... And so it's, it's almost like, oh, I actually, you know, over the last few years, I've been learning to let my body lead personally. But this, but this question of like, how do you let the body lead collectively? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no, I'm going to ask that actually. How do, how do you let the, <laughs> how do you let the body lead collectively? Because, mm, because I think so much, because we'll do statue work that make visible power, you know, we'll do statue work that give us a sense of what the future might be together. And, and people will move through different stages and, um, movements to build those either individually, collectively, pairs, trios, all that kind of thing. But you get where I'm going. So we also, I mean, the work for social presence in theater, it also can be a, like deepening into something, uh, deepening into a shared experience, which then, as you have said, leads to kind of a finer reflection so that's true with us also that there's a there's a dialogue between the activity and then the reflection on the activity. Mm. So that that's also true with with our work on although the reflections are often also about how that is experienced like if I see you doing something and you're doing a let's say um uh like we have this stuck practice, right? So then you make an embodied shape of the sense of something not moving forward in your life, right? In, or in your work. Mm. So we're saying that stuck is a very natural part of a creative process. There's always some kind of resistance or, or restriction. And that is very positive in terms of learning and in terms of fresh views and in terms of um seeing things as a system, like nobody's ever stuck by themselves, right? There are, it's always some kind of forces in a system that holds something from moving forward. Um, it's also not sustainable. And, and it also is that if you put the body in that shape and you tune in as, as you've sort of said with this, maybe with the sculpture work and you let the body move to something else without thinking about what it should do or how it could do or how am I going to get this problem solved. But if, you're, if you just stay with what does this shoulder want to do now? What about that neck? What about that 
you know, what is leaning in this way? Where is the weight now? If you move very simply from this stuck to just say, what does the stuck long for? What does the stuck want to actually do? I mean, you know, nothing in nature remains stuck. So that's just not even vaguely sustainable. But, so how does that work in terms of moving? So then if you put several people in a stuck sculpture, right, that are embodying a, a stuck system, so some are, some are keeping it stuck and some are trying to get it to move and whatnot, you've set up a little collective sculpture and then go through this process of tuning into what it is that this sculpture is just one being. It's a collective, right? It's a social body. It's not just, you know, five different individuals, but they, they form a little social system that actually, you know, it's not moving forward, but it also, you know, in time, it will it will shift and maybe this one has to move before that one can move and whatever. So then the whole thing shifts into something else. Again, it's never framed as a solution to a problem, but it just framed as one kind of gesture in moving forward in terms of creativity or innovation. And then they have a little, you know, they usually have words that come out of the body. They, they can say a word or two, mm. a little phrase now, oftentimes it has nothing to do with the situation. They don't know what the situation is, right? They don't need to share what that is. They each say something, and then that opens up into a little conversation. And it could be that some of that gets, you know, is a little seed of a prototype of going fo forward, or it could be that it's just a deepening into the kind of heartbreak of something. It, mm -hmm. You know, that either one would be a <laughs> kind of Valuable. welcome result. Yes, yes, yeah. it does. Is sometimes it's just how heartbreaking it is to be a human being on the planet. And that that sense of heartbreak is incredibly strong motive force for getting out there, getting out of one's comfort zone and actually doing something to help out. But sometimes it's just numbness is the problem, right? Mm -hmm. You don't actually feel the body and you don't feel the tears and you don't feel the rage and you don't feel it. So we're not so much interested in, in like, and I don't have background in trauma work, although some of our practitioners do. Um, and it's not psychodrama or anything like that, particularly, right. but it is a sense of the different parts of the system and how they fit together. And there could be a, uh, a more sane and more kind, more, you know, open way of arranging oneself uh, in a system that would lead to uh, a wiser uh, action on the planet. So it's something like that. Mm. It's, it's not that far from what you're just saying, but it maybe the journey is a little more um, uh, up and down. Mm. <laughs> and and Arawan, I mean, the listeners can't see you moving your body as you're talking. Mm. So, and, and, and one of the things I'm struck by is like how slowly you're moving. Mm. So actually there's some, cause there's something about like the speed of moving from stuck place to something else, you, you know, it's like, yeah. um, I mean, you were just talking about like your, your hand moving and the neck moving slowly. There's something about, oh, I don't know, just maybe to invite you to speak to that. There's something about the speed or the consciousness or something in what you're demonstrating 
as you speak? Well, I think, Tim, it's like a listening practice. Hmm. Well, there's so much when you listen to a person speak, there's so many, so much going on. You know, there's such a richness in whatever anyone says, like not only in how they are embodied and the, you know, how they're, how they feel landed on the earth and the face and the arms, but the voice gesture. I mean, there's just a lot to listen to, to yeah. listen and take in on any one conversation. So in a way, this work is, embodiment work is like listening into one's own body. And so, you know, that somehow it, there's a subtlety to it that takes a certain kind of attention, which is, you know, why the work is often, you know, we, we need to have some mindfulness and some awareness just to do the work, right? Because it, it, it requires attending to this moment and it could be this part of the body is speaking and then it could be that part of the body has something to say. And then, oh yes, that has something. Hmm. So it's, 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 it's a, you know, it's a system. Yeah. <laughs> it has lots of parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're exactly. not all like one glump, uh, one clump. There's all sorts of nuance to them. And so it's, it's hard to just, uh, it's not that there's anything that says you can't move quickly. Uh, but it's a, it's listening, 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 listening into mm-hmm. what is it that that body or this social body, um, what is it that's actually, it's, what's its like um, true nature? And what is the true move for that team, that um, department, that organization, that person, that family, whatever? What, what is it? What is the true move? And true move could be a speech action too, of course, but mm. in our case, we're, we're using the body. And, and interestingly enough, you know, most people who come to our programs who are doing change work, they don't have a, a, a body background. You know, they don't have a movement background. So it's wonderful because they don't have, you know, they can't lie physically. Yeah, <laughs> they, just, right. they don't have the skills for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you see is what you get. And what they experience is what they experience. And that is perfect mm. and, uh, and natural, you know, and uh, genuine. So sometimes just getting the body in there and, and not as a, I mean, oftentimes people use body, but it's a kind of break from talking. Oh, let's just get up and do some, put some music on and hop about, which is good. You know, it's, that's good too. Um, and arts, you know, have often been associated with entertainment in some way, but uh, there's so much more that's possible by just these simple uh, kind of simple embodiment practices, which, uh, you know, there are many, many offered now and many traditional ones, and so, but we would like to be able to con- contribute to that collection of things. And I'm just reminded of my time um, with you, but actually came to New York and did several days with you in social presencing theater as well. And, um, and thinking, you just said something that felt really important to me, the simple moves, right? There's something around, because the question I wanted to ask you about the true move, and that's been a concept that stayed with me. Sometimes I'll ask myself, like, what is the true move here? And I find like, right, that requires me to drop down into my body before I can do it. 
And I'm curious, and, and the simplicity, right? You're not asking people to do leaps through the air or splits or jumps or cartwheels or, you know, it's actually sit, stand, you know, you know, th they're things that are accessible for most bodies. And I wonder how to get to a true move, it feels to me like there has to be some suspension of judgment of move. And I'm curious how you work with people to kind of like get that space, suspend that judgment to actually make the true move socially or personally so maybe we there's two ends to that and I, i'm sure this is true in your work as well so on the one hand when we refer to a true move we're talking about something that comes out of spaciousness of openness hmm. and, and so these you know in um presencing work there's these um kind of principles, I guess you could say, of open mind, open heart, open will. I mean, mm. sure, that's true for your work, yeah. whether you use those words yeah. or not. But, um, so the, this, the, the key word there is open, that it doesn't have a restriction, boundary, assumption, opinion, prejudice, judgment, as you said, and just conceptual frameworks for that matter, uh, and which is kind of, you know, what we are, like this collection of conceptual notions. Um, and so the attending to the body sometimes can cut that continuous stream of ideas and basically of opinions. It's not just judgments in the negative sense, but just concepts and, and projections and interpretations and meaning making and blah, 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 that goes on and on in the mind. Yeah? So these can be useful, needless to say, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but it's also not always the most useful uh, tool when you're working with innovation. That somewhere along the line, there has to be a gap. Hmm. And you know, we call this, I use the Japanese word, the ma, um, which is a, just an interval. It's a gap between things. So oftentimes when we refer to the true move and some of the practices emphasize this, we're, we're, um, we're trying to work with this idea that the, the thoughts are not always continuous. The mind also just kind of stops thinking for a moment and just being present. And that sense of being can give rise to a word or words or brush strokes or painting or a sound of music, but they can give rise to a gesture. It emerges from that open space, which is what we're talking about as the true move. And it could be anything that, that comes, but it comes out of a non-conceptual framework as best as we can, a sense of suspending all the ideas mm -hmm including judgment. But then there's the other side of that is our own self-consciousness. And certainly with embodiment work, there's a lot more folks that feel uncomfortable or just, you know, weird, you know. <laughs> Their practices are just weird. It's hard enough, you know, to sit in a circle and talk to people, much less having to get up and make a gesture. And yeah. we really appreciate that, you know, that that level of tenderness and and vulnerability and awkwardness is such a a, a beautiful quality in human beings. It's, it means I don't have the whole thing together. 
And any kind of creativity comes from a place where you don't have the whole thing together. Otherwise, it isn't fresh and new, right? So it's a matter of, it's like stuck. It's not a problem. Well, neither is a self-consciousness and awkwardness because it, it has its own kind of, um, you know, beauty and intelligence. And mm. so the, the not mm. knowing quality is, a, is something that we really emphasize in our work, you know, that, that you don't know what the next gesture is. And uh, so you just at, attend and pay attention to this moment. Mm. And what is it that this moment wants to say? What is it that this moment wants to do? And that shifts the attention from me and how am I doing and what's what do I look like and am I getting my money's worth from this, this situation? It shifts because it, it's not about me. It's about this moment mm-hmm. and about your moment and the listener's moment. It's a moment, right? And something happens and, you know, that moment's not dead. Like it's full of energy and color and potential. So it's tuning into that and what then, you know, what is it that would would be a genuine uh, gesture? Mm. There's there's a frame, you know, that you want to be helpful in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there is a general frame, and we, and quite frankly, there's a general frame which you'll probably remember from, from the institute, is that, and this is a premise to some extent, but it is also one within the Presencing Institute, that people and groups of people are basically wise, basically mm-hmm. sane, basically kind, that that's what it is to be a human being, and that, likewise, another you know, assumption, let's say, or premise, is that the future, if you want to lead for an emerging future, that the future holds potential for this good society. Because if you thought the future is just going to be worse and worse, then you wouldn't be that interested in learning from an emerging future, you know? Right. right. There's certain built-in, there's (laughs) built-in... You know, that's really interesting. Well, that's so fascinating because we'll often be like, don't talk to us about best practice because all that tells us is how people have done things in the past, you know, and that sometimes doesn't equip you to act in the future at all, you know. And so, this idea, right? So, this idea of learning from the emerging future, you know, fits with this. Oh, actually, let's reach out into the future and see what that's telling us about what we need to become to meet it, you know. But, um, but of course, you have to have some faith in the future to do that. That's right, you do. You and to, you, have, and to, you have to have some faith in how people are going to turn up in that future. That's exactly. And you have to have some faith in yourself that you could be part of that, that you have something to gift to that or contribute to that. It, like all the, it's all levels all the time, that, that basic faith in, yeah. you know. Exactly. Faith is a great word. <laughs> mm. Mm. Super cool. So Arwana, I feel like I want to ask you, Tim, I hope I didn't interrupt you. But I feel like I, you know, I said in the intro, when I met you, I felt like you were one of the few people in the field who would talk to me about race and equity and Mm -hmm. those big deal issues. And I'm wondering if, 
if if in where you're working, I mean, I, like all of our work is similar and we all kind of hang around the same kind of doing the same kind of work. But is that still true for you? I know Tim and I, you know, we built the outside because we said lots of folks still aren't talking about race and equity and systems change. Mm-hmm. And so like that's our stake in the ground is we want to do that. I'm curious what you're finding these days around issues of race and equity and, and are folks taking them on more and how are you all taking them on in your mm-hmm. work? So, again, I could learn so much more and practice so much more and read so much more. And um, uh, it's just it's a kind of what I feel now about this conversation is just more and more humility Mm. that, you know, like cultural humility of, of just being very sensitive to the fact that I actually don't know what other people, how they, how they grew up, what they, you know, what it was like to be them. And somehow starting from that place of, again, listening and, and trying to be, trying to be courageous and also trying to create spaces for people to be, to feel connected with one another on a level that isn't about ideas again mm. and, and about, you know, about how do you, how do we have these conversations? So yes, it's still very much part of what I think about and I always feel that you know, it's it, I'm calling, we're all we're all falling so so short of what is needed in terms of both courage and openness for the conversation. One of one of the things that we really love doing and would like to do more of has been in high schools and or with young people mm. and working on my team is is not. You know, I don't. There's is there's one from Pune from India, Manish, and then there's Angola and Germany, and then there's and for many years I worked with Ricardo Dutra in Sao Paulo, and so it's a it's a variegated team, you know, global team. But we we had this opportunity, Ricardo and I did, to work in South Central Los Angeles in in Los Angeles County uh, public high school system. And started out, you know, it was funded by a generous foundation and started out working with teachers. And it wasn't the teachers didn't connect, but we just didn't feel that, you know, it's it's very difficult to be a public school teacher and also be completely innovative mm-hmm. in a situation mm-hmm. in which there's so much stress. The numbers of kids with suicide ideations and gang violence and, you know, in those schools and poverty and, you know, threat of deportation, it, you know, like, it's very difficult to think about, like, innovation when you can't get these kids through graduation, you know. So I think that 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 kind of work was, was where we were able to bring in this movement work in such a, 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 profound way because it was a language that the kids you know mm. 
it seems kind of abstract in a certain way. And yet, you know, stock exercise, like I'm just telling you, you know, the kids made, we made postcards and then they would, and Polaroids, postcards and Polaroids, so that they could make photos of their stocks and and their stocks could send them postcards about what mm. that was about. And it started these conversations that then the kids would work with each other. I mean, Presencing Institute has this form called the Case Clinic, and the kids love this. You know, they could take the form. There's no adult there. They just follow the step, you know, step one, step two, and, and we're able to have these kinds of conversations. So I think that in their case, you know, it's, that's been the most vibrant opportunity to for be in conversations with folks for whom, you know, within the school setting where the kids could talk about these uh, issues of race, issues of um, socioeconomic um, um, difference, and 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 using these kinds of practices to open that conversation in a in a safe way. So. Uh, um, I, we haven't had very many opportunities to do this, um, and in, within again within Presencing Institute, it's such a it's such a global community, and not that race is not an issue in everywhere on the planet, but in the U.S. we have a particular burden, a particular calling, and a particular weight around this that absolutely has to be. Um, healed, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's we don't have a a, a a large presence in the U.S. We were talking about this before we got on mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. social theater practitioners, but interestingly enough, the there are several people in our small social presencing theater uh, community for whom this is their their life's work. Mm. They do. Um, they do anti-racism work. Wow. And so I think we'll just keep developing and learning this and how these practices can can help that conversation. And uh, no, it, and it's certainly never left my attention. Um, and it's noticeably, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's more in the conversation in the U.S. now than it yeah. has been. But it's just, as you know, it just needs a long, it's got a long way to go. Yeah. And uh, so any way that we can um, step into that. And I think similarly, uh, Tim, with indigenous populations in Canada and the U.S. also, but Canada is probably more, it's it's more um, ahead in this kind of conversation. And... uh, um, I just, I I was just thinking about... um, I mean, a lot of my work started out working with young people and, uh, and, and I remember doing physical, doing theatre work with young people. And you know what you said earlier about, like, if you don't have an experience in using your body to express yourself, there's really nowhere to hide because your body just does its thing because you're not, it's not like you're, there's, there's, there's no deception because you haven't practiced using your body enough to deceive people. Um, and, 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 but that, that can be incredibly vulnerable. Oh, right, yeah. and right. if you don't know what your body holds, right, and suddenly you're in the movement and an expression of it, yes, yes, you, you know, especially when you start getting into conversations around race 
of violence, you know, yeah. which a lot of the young people I was working with, we were in that. And it was very, it came, became very, very clear to me really early on that we, you know, we, we partnered up with this incredible woman called Rachel Smith, who was a drama therapist, okay. you know. And so we were doing music and theatre work, but we were working with a drama therapist as well because it, it was almost like you, we never quite knew what might be unleashed. When we, when we were okay. using our bodies to get into these deeper conversations, people yeah. often didn't know what they were going to express or what was going to come out because there was less yeah. control. Yes, yes. Okay. And there was a less, there was a less, you were less practised in control. Yes, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. and of course that can be incredibly enriching because things come out that are provocative and powerful in the conversation, but it can also be incredibly vulnerable and and quite dangerous if it isn't yeah. hosted and yeah. facilitated. Yes, uh, yes. Respectfully yeah. and kindly and professionally, you know. And so I think there's something interesting there in theatre work and in body work um, that we, we, have to, we have to be smart about how and when and where. Oh, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. And how, you know, how, how the work and how the conversations are held. And I think, um, because our work is often in these small groups, I found, and this is, could be just peculiar to my own experience, but I found that people, that something can happen in a small group, like four or five people, and how kind the group, how much the group can hold, hmm. you know, how much they actually can, um, you know, how much they care for one another under hmm. everything, you know, like under whatever, that there's a, that under, underneath kind of care that people have for one another. But I agree with you. And it's, it again, I just feel like a beginner in this area, in this always more and more I don't understand Hmm. Uh, and I'm careless without knowing. And uh, with any kind of embodiment work, there's always, you know, all sorts of things that are hidden in the body that people don't remember. And they're hidden there for generations, not just this life. Right. They've been yes. there for oh my goodness, years yes. before they've been there. That's right. So it's, it's in the body, right? Yeah. So um, We've inherited things in our posture. Oh, yeah, yeah. The body remembers, it remembers yeah. things, right? Yeah. So it's, um, I often wish uh, Tuesday I had a more uh, like lively, like group, you know, like just a, like a, a case clinic group or a conversation group that just worked, that just held this conversation amongst ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, particularly around embodiment and theater, embodiment, right? and that how that how that can be of service uh, in a safe way, as you're saying, uh, Tim, and in a kind way. And um, I think in our case, because there's with the with the kids, you know, we use we use these. It it had to do with more with. Um, each child being able to see and appreciate one another. So they, Ricardo made, um, you know, made a slide of each person's card and their, their photo. And then when, and then he, he showed them as a slideshow 
And when each person's uh, photo came up, the, um, the young person could say their words, their message on the card. So it was sort of highlighting each, both the incredible strength and the tenderness of each child. Mm. So that, I mean, they're not children, they're teenagers, right? But by the end, they had seen each other in this kind of special way that each one was special. And there was a little film, like a slide film made to sort of celebrate each person's journey from their stuck to their mm. too. So it was, it was based upon this sense of how they would see one another's goodness and see one another's, see, see the, you know, honor the difference in differences and also see the unique um, kind of humanness of each of them. And it, but it did have to do with this photo and movement and and writing and and then this little show at the end, as it were, you know, with little presentation. Sometimes we do that with a little performance, but in this case, it was this little film. So it was something about the containment of something that um, that also maybe provides a little bit more. Um, safety there's a there's, it opens something and then it also says and now we're going to close this for mm. the time yeah mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. you know, it's not, everybody's going to be raging out of the room here but it, so that's just a sort of time <laughs> how we shape time and yeah thank you for the question i think there's much to learn and it would be wonderful to open that conversation further with you or with anyone that's interested in it mm. Yeah, I would, I would, cool. I would love that. And I also think there was so much wisdom in um, what you said about kind of, you know, like the the more you go, like the more you realize you don't know. There's some, there's some unknowing that's needed now around issues of race and difference. We 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 just were so moving into our knowing in a way that I think is so. Um, I mean, I would say like, know what we know, but not one bit more, but like, there's some real opportunity here for unknowing because we mm-hmm. do, we are stuck here. And yeah, so yeah. I love yeah. that idea, more humility, more unknowing, not less, not less commitment, not less willing to take it on, but like more less knowing that feels really quite wise. So I'd love to, I'd love to continue to be in the conversation as I feel I'm, like in our work, yeah. we're getting pressed more and more to know, to know, yeah. to know. And we have to like yeah. really hold open wide and unknowing. We have to resist the checklist approach. We have to resist, you know, this kind of like, this is how it should be. And say so like, we've mm-hmm. actually never been here before. And so what is it now? What is it now? And keep sensing that with people. Just just train us and tell us what to do so yeah. we can do it right, you know? <laughs> and uh uh-huh. There's no discovery in that. It would be wonderful to be in this, just to look at how some of the social presencing theater or embodiment work could actually open up some of these conversations that we're in with some of the groups we're working with, choose, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. That would be wicked fun. Mm -hmm. I would love that. Oh, it would really be enjoyable and interesting for me. And and it maybe circles back to this idea of, um, of slower Hmm. You know, it's taken all these generations to get to where we are now. We're not going to unravel this by probably in my lifetime. Yeah. 
But on the other hand, this sense of going step by step and really each step that you feel like your foot on the ground every step in that conversation, it's the same way, I think. You know, each time you put your foot down, you just wait, you know, and see, you know, which branches are crackling and who's, what what little animal is coming out of the forest now, kind of thing. Yeah, right. you know, Absolutely. You, just, you know, and then before you put your next foot down. And so I can imagine that people are impatient to get to some place, but I don't, I don't think it's going to, you know, it's like you have to heal every step of the way. And then that's just people in the room and how they feel and can they go to the next step together. So it's, it's again, sensing into the social field and what the, the dance of the social field actually is around the conversation. I love it. Well, you two, we're very close to the time that the podcast runs and, um, one of the traditions we have on Find the, Out, the, Find the Outside podcast, I know you, that's my dog barking in the background, listeners. That's oh, Nia. She wants to join in. She was flapping her ears earlier in case anybody heard that. I tried to mute. Um, anyway, so uh, what? one of the traditions we have is inviting our podcast guests. Hey, come Is the I don't know if you guys can see her. Mark, you're going to have to cut this out and do something amazing. Um, is to have our podcast guests bring in a poem and a song and we, you know what how do you feel about that arowana i was thinking um about just seeing what came to mind mm-hmm. <laughs> and what came to mind is um for some reason is the cronus string quartet do you know that Ooh. the cronus quartet i don't um, they, um, they, for some reason, I just love this group and they have, um, many albums and their music is very, um, um, kind of, uh, leaning into, um, collaborations and, um, ways of hearing and making music. And there's something about them that just came to my mind about how, um, how, uh, uh, how I love to listen to them. I guess that's all I was saying. Mm. And I don't, I, I don't. Maybe my favorite or one of their albums is like um, is connected with using um, music from Africa. I think that's maybe one that I like to listen to quite a bit. So. Um, it's a funny thing that I realized that since my, since I stopped working as a dancer, as much as I love music, I don't listen to it in the way that I used to. Mm. And something about your invitation made me think, oh, I'm going to listen to more music. Wonderful. <laughs> and read more poems. Great. <laughs> Mm, unfortunately, we're no longer able to include songs in the podcast themselves. It turns out there are copyright issues with doing this. And believe me, we would have gotten around them if we could, but it does not appear that we can. Even though we love music and we want you to be able to hear our Wanna song. So what we're going to do is we're going to add the song uh, that she mentions by Chrono String Quartet into our playlist on Spotify. So there is an outside playlist on Spotify. This song will be available for you to hear it there. 
go check it out. That playlist is outrageously awesome. We even use it in events sometimes just to get people going or in good conversation. So go enjoy the go enjoy the playlist. We're going to keep chocking it up with awesome tunes. And my my colleague Manish Srivastava, the Presencing Institute, is a poet, and uh, he often brings Rumi and uh, traditional poems as well as um, he he writes his own poems, um, often about um, gender inequality and gender mm. violence. And he's able to bring the poems and the, and often and he says his poems always come out of his. 20 minute dance practice or his stuck practice or his, you know, they come from his dances mm. and we have a little practice now. This 20 minute dance is a, is what is just called is, it's just what we call our sort of personal time, personal movement. It starts on the floor and it, it moves up and, um, and it's open, you know, it just moving in stillness and a mindfulness uh, resting on the feeling of our body and then we've gotten into the habit of at the end of the 20 minute dance, we make these three line haikus. Mm. So each dance has a little three line poem, like a haiku, Japanese three line poem. We don't, we're not strict about syllables. We just make three lines that kind of are our check in. I mean, this is how, what would be a daily kind of, you know, we're very big on check ins with other people. But this is our self check-in. Nice. <laughs> like, am I in my body? And how am I doing? And what kind of body is showing up today? And what kind of mind is showing up today? <laughs> so it's that kind of uh, morning practice. And it has produced a lot of three-line poems. <laughs> nice. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. Don't you always wonder, Tim, from the theater? In the theater, you know, you – you wouldn't think about going to work without warming up the body and warming right. up the voice, and then right. you can start to work, right? Right. We somehow we 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 don't do that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's so, something very natural about that in terms of like conversations are like that. They often start with small talk and getting to know each other, and then they dive deep, and then they kind of find their way out. There's something about that like basic movement, that basic yeah. flow. When we dive straight to the task at hand, we're missing actually how things organize. You know? Yeah, beautiful. I love it. Thank you, Arowana. It's been just absolutely delicious to have you on the podcast with us. That's a real gift, just to mm -hmm. kind of listen into your work and listen into who you are and what you've been discovering. And just for the listeners, you can find out lots more about Arowana at arowanahayashi.com. And we'll put it in the show notes. And you can also you can also get hold of the book there. And you can get in touch with some of the upcoming courses. And you're just beginning to do in-person courses again, which is also exciting. So if you want to not just join Arowana via video and voice like we've done today, but be in the room, then uh, those kind of opportunities are turning up as well. Well, and I feel like we're going to have to invite you to join us at some point in some mm -hmm. in offering something I wanted to so oh, that would be such a delight thank you so much and also the, um, maybe the Presencing Institute website has a section on social presencing theater which is probably a little more um, uh, upscale than my own <laughs> your website's great I was looking at it. it's fantastic your website is beautiful I love it I was actually looking at you I think it's absolutely yeah, beautiful sometimes things that are upscale you know 
It's like anyway, a high-rise building when you could be comfortable in a, you know. In a, in a I really, house. really appreciate that invitation and just a delight to see both of you. And um, of course, it would be wonderful to meet up again and um, in any possible time and space. Great, <laughs> great. With these bodies. Okay, friends, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we will see you next time with another interview or perhaps Tim and I chatting or perhaps talking to a client. We've got a lot, we've got a lot on this season and we look forward to having you with us. Fabulous. All the show notes are at findtheoutside backslash podcast and all of the music that's been chosen by our guests over the four seasons we've been running is on Spotify playlist at Find the Outside. So you can find us all there. Have a good one, folks. Take good care.